Thank you, Bill. Children, you are dismissed to teach me to worship. And as they leave, I want to ask you to stand for the reading of our scripture passage this morning. And turn in your Bibles to page 776. We are beginning a new series in the book of Micah this morning. Micah 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. That might be the shortest one I've ever done. It won't be that short next week. Just, just be preparing you. Have you ever played the game Guess Who? Guess Who is a two-player board game where players sit across from each other and they try to guess the identity of a chosen character by the other person. Each player starts the game with a board that's identical. It contains 24 people with first names and with a barrage of images and traits. And the point of the game is to ask yes or no questions to try to identify who the other candidate has, such as, does your person wear a hat? Does your person wear glasses? Is your person a man? Does your person have long hair? The point of the game is to eliminate all of your characters that have those traits and to identify the one person that the other person has on their card and try to guess who that person is by name. That's the key factor of the game. You must call that character out by name, and then if you're first person to do that, you win the game. Now, I hope you've already learned that, and that was just a recap so you can maybe play it tonight. As we come to the book of Micah, what's embedded in this very first passage is the who of what this book is about. Now, it it, it might seem surprising, but the book isn't actually about Micah. As one of the commentators says, this name which is given to Micah carries a heavy theological freight. For his name itself is a rhetorical question. The name Micah means who is like Yahweh. The who of Micah is Yahweh, the Lord, the covenant God of Israel, the God who saw, as we saw in Jonah, the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land, who made a covenant with his people and established them in the land who blessed them and who will bless them with the coming seed so that they might be a blessing to the nations. This Yahweh who redeemed his people out of the land of Egypt, as Greg taught this morning, this Yahweh who revealed himself in the burning bush and established himself as I am. 
who brought his people out of a land of injustice and tyranny, who brought his people through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, who brought his people into the land in which he promised them, delivering it to them, and who established them as his people and he their God. The God who has made himself known. This is Yahweh, the God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who by no means clear the guilty. This is the God we're introduced to. This is the God who Micah reveals. For the word of the Lord came to Micah. Micah isn't just an innate object. He is a person. He is the mouthpiece of Yahweh. He is a preacher and a proclaimer and the revealer of who God truly is. And as his name suggests, all of God's people should continually ask themselves, who is like him? And this is the question that we have to ask ourselves, that we will be forced to ask ourselves over the couple months we're going to be in this book. The question that the people to whom Micah prophesied to should have asked themselves over and over and over again, who is like Yahweh? And as Bruce Walkie states, when we're introduced to this word of the Lord, our shoes should come off our feet as we hear his word proclaimed. Because when his word is proclaimed, Yahweh is revealed to his people. And to this question, all of the people's response should always be, no one. No one is like Yahweh. For in the last chapter of this book, we actually see a play that Micah uses on his own name in chapter 7, verse 18. He says, Who is like your God, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. This is the constant message. This is the constant way that God reveals himself in all of scriptures. It is true for the people in the late 8th century when Micah was proclaiming these oracles. It's true for his people that occupied the land. It's true for his people today, and it will be true for our children and their children. Because what do we say every single week? His faithfulness continues to all generations. This is who Yahweh is. Is. And Yahweh is a God who Micah will teach us a great deal about. He is a God who takes seriously his covenant, who will brook no rivals in his transcendence, who controls the nations, 
yet who cares for little people. Who cares about truth-telling and for just society and the importance of human rights. Who will forgive transgression, but who by no means clear the guilty. He is a God who upholds perfect justice while at the same time revealing his lavish mercy. He is a God who is not like us. He is a God who requires from us complete and total obedience. Requires covenant faithfulness, complete submission, and humility. Who demands and commands his people to image him. To be pictures of who he is. This omnipotent Lord, all-powerful, is also merciful. This word, merciful, typically used as merciful or loyal or loving. This word, hesed, is a Hebrew word that is not easily defined in English. But it indicates someone who will respond to the needs of those who, are in, who need it. It is often connected to duty, but, that is, but it shouldn't be. One's helplessness evokes mercy. Our helplessness evokes our God who loves to give mercy. He isn't dispassionate. He isn't some distant figure who does not care, but one who comes to the weak and to the brokenhearted, to those who lament, to those who are poor in spirit. And who mourn, and who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and who are themselves merciful with pure hearts, with those who are peacemakers, for those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for those who are reviled, for those who have evil done against them. This is... Yahweh. This is the God of the Old Testament. And this is the God who has perfectly revealed himself in Jesus. He is not far off. He is a God who came after his people. Who, had, who wanted nothing to do with them. He is not only a God who seeks justice who demands perfect justice. He is a God who overwhelms his children with how much he loves them because he seeks after them and he wants them to return to living faithfully. It's Jesus who came for the sick and the weary. It's Jesus who offers himself to those who are heavy laden. It is Jesus who gives his people perfect rest. 
rest from their enemies. But who more powerfully gives rest from their sins, from their moral corruption? Micah, from beginning to end, points us to Jesus. Micah also represents and proclaims the judgment for those who deny Yahweh. There's going to be a lot of judgment in Micah. Because God takes his covenant seriously. Because there's a lot of judgment for God's people because they continue to prove that they are not like Yahweh. Neither them nor their covenant mediators, their representatives, their kings, their priests, their prophets, they have all failed to live according to God's perfect standards. And because of their sins, because of their faithlessness, because of their disregard for who Yahweh is and who God has revealed himself to be, there will be judgment. Because God has expectations for his people. God has demands for his people. But he doesn't just have expectations and demands for his Old Testament people. He expects and demands covenant faithfulness and fidelity from all of his people. Many of us assume that God really does care about our hearts. But many of us also lie to ourselves and say that God does not care how we conduct our lives. But he does. This is the point of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus commands and demands that we not only uphold the covenant law of God, but that God actually expects more from us. He doesn't just expect you not to kill your neighbor. He expects you not to be angry with your neighbor. He does not just expect you not to commit adultery. He commands that you do not lust. He does not just expect you to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He expects and demands that we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. These are the moral demands of a perfect and holy God. This is what he expects of every person who has ever read this book. Perfect conformity to the image of God. And if you do not conform to this image, you will be judged. In the book of Micah, Bruce Waltke says, The invisible God becomes audible.
And Micah prepares us for Jesus. The invisible God who became man. The invisible God who knew we could not live up to this moral standard. Who came and sought to love his people. To give himself up for their sins. Because it's at the cross that God not only deals with our sins. He deals with every moral failure we've ever had. We've ever thought. It's at the cross that God the Son comes and receives the judgment of God the Father demands. And he comes and he takes it for us. And this is what he calls us to do. This is what he called this people to do. Repent. Repent of your sins. And conform to the image of God. This is the proclamation that Micah is sent to preach. You are living in your sin. Repent. To have justice or have judgment removed, repent. His prophecies of doom were to produce faith. It was a cry from God that they might see the light of his holy justice and that they might leave their old lives behind. His prophecies of judgment are a gift of a loving God. He gives them a chance. He gives them a way out. He shows his mercy. Silence would be the worst form of judgment. To leave us where our sins have us. To give us what our sins deserve. But we will see even a worse form of judgment in the book of Micah. One that comes with sheep's clothing. An even worse form of judgment are preachers who, as Jeremiah will say later, who preach peace when there is no peace. Preachers who preach for a price, preaching what the ears are itching to hear, that God is love and will not judge sinners. But that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible will not clear the guilty. But our God brings peace with him for those who repent and follow after him. Because it's Jesus. It's Jesus as he, after he's died on the cross and risen from the dead that he comes to his disciples and what does he proclaim to them? 
peace be with you. It's about our God who has not given up on his people. It's about a God who has provided a way of salvation for his people through judgment. Because the final word for God's faithful people, for the remnant, is not judgment. It's hope. It's hope in the covenant promises of God, in the Messiah to come. Micah saw a vision of God descending from heaven's throne to bring salvation through judgment. In Jesus, God descends from his heavenly throne, bringing grace and mercy for his people. The book of Micah is all about Yahweh, the covenant God of his people. On every single page, after every single verse, our response should be, who is like Yahweh? No one. For he is good. For he is good to us in Jesus. He responded to our need, to our helplessness, in Jesus. This is who Yahweh is. This is the who. Now we're going to do the what, when, where, why, and how. I'm just joking. We're going to see as we go through this book the what, the when, the why, and the how. How his word transforms his people. How this time when Israel was living in the, through the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, these covenant representatives, they were living lives of generational sin. And if you don't believe me, go back and read 1 Kings chapter 12. His people had broken his covenant commands. And we're living in treacherous idolatry, treacherous sin. And God has come to proclaim judgment and hope. That he is faithful to his people. Micah prophesied through these three kings, which expand, which could have lasted up to 52 years, or at least 20. It wasn't like the five-word sermon that we saw from Jonah and how he just like peaced out after he gave that one sermon. This is the faithful ministry, decades long, of the prophet of God, preaching to the northern kingdom, preaching to the southern kingdom. Micah was a commentator on the culture of this people, of the moral life which is influenced by what they believed to be true. Now there's a word of caution. There's not going to be a one-to-one -one comparison in all that Micah says for us. 
For Micah preached during a time when the church and the state were one entity. They lived in the theocratic nation where God sovereignly ruled over his people through his prophets, priests, and kings. And this is not the context that we find ourselves in today. God does not rule over us, the United States of America, sovereignly as he did in the 8th century B.C. Their kings were members of the covenant community. Their kings were their representative before God. Our presidents are not our representative before God. We have a new king, a shepherd king, and his kingdom does not have geographical boundaries. His people do not have an ethnic tongue or speech or culture. His kingdom transcends every corner of the earth. He is the king of all nations. He is the king of heaven and earth. He is a king that his word will not fail. And Micah will force us to see who this king truly is. He will face us with his moral and ethical standards that he has created. Because his moral and ethical standards reveal who he truly is. And we will say correctly that God hates a corrupt nation. Because he is a God for all human flourishing. We will correctly say that God hates corruption and misuse of his church. Because our God is a God who wants his church to flourish. But he's a God who says, if you run after your idols that you've created in your heart, who you believe looks like God, you will receive judgment. But we can't for one second believe that this God will not also, God, will not also judge cheap grace. who believe in faith without repentance. Who believe, as long as I say the right words, I can live whatever type of life I want to live. Who break their vows of God's ownership over every aspect of their life. Not just one day a week. Who hates it when people deny his sovereign rule over every aspect of their life? And we all must become like Micah. Filled with the zeal of the Holy Spirit to stand up for the oppressed. Because you know what the telltale sign of those who follow after Yahweh is? They look like Yahweh. He is a God for social change. He changes the fabric of society. 
And we've politicized so many of these categories that we don't understand how to think of it between how has God called us to live as his people? How do we respond to his covenant faithfulness? How does it affect our behaviors and our ethics and our social systems? Under the reign of our true king, Jesus. Without making it about a party. Or political gain. Or winning an argument. Because all of God's ethical standards, all of his laws that he's given to his people are fulfilled in Christ. Because the law reveals the lawgiver and his heart. And in his word, he is always calling his people to conformity through the knowledge and relationship of who he is. And he recreates us from the inside out. We are to respond to this word of God's incoming judgment. And we are called to repent. But we are also called to walk humbly before him. To be recreated in the image of Christ. And to know that this perfect moral standard we cannot bear. We're going to mess up. We're going to fail. But do you know the marquee character, characteristic of God's people? To repent. To repent again. To repent again. And again. And again, and to come back to hear the word of the Lord proclaimed over us, even in your failure, he is a God of mercy who loves you. To come back again and again to taste and see what the Lord has done for you, because you will fail, but he is faithful. God's word is effective. He sovereignly uses it to call people to repentance, and it will not return to him void. The book of Micah is a call for all of God's people at all times and all places. Repent of your sin and follow after Jesus. In him, your sins are forgiven you. In him, you receive the life that you need to live to be faithful. In him, you receive the power, the power of the Spirit. It's not only to be citizens of this kingdom, but to be called sons and daughters of the King. For a life of dedication to him because he is our God and we are his people.
and he has given us a foretaste. He has given us a glimpse of what his kingdom shall be when it has no end. The book of Micah is about our king. Our king who loves you despite your sin. Our king who loves you because he took your sin upon himself so that you might receive mercy and grace. A king that gave his life so that you can have life eternal. And that your soul might receive rest. Rest. True, perfect rest from all of your enemies and from all of your sins. It's about Jesus. Let's pray.